Hey everyone, welcome to Christ Community Church. I am Troy and this is Kristen. Thanks for joining us in worship today. Happy New Year. Even though 2020 had its ups and downs, there were a lot of new things we had the opportunity to do, like starting an online campus. We are very excited to see what God has in store for CCC this coming year. And what a better way to kick off the new year for Christ Community Church than taking a moment to refocus and remember what Christ did for us. If you're joining us in person or tuning in at home, be ready to participate in a communion moment at the end of the service. For those at home, feel free to take this time to grab some juice and crackers or something similar and have that ready to go when Pastor Darrell leads us in communion. Our Heavenly Father continues to be generous and loving to us. Since he gave first, we are responding to his generosity today through our offering. We invite you to take this time to worship our Creator through giving. If you're watching online, you can do this by texting CCC Rochester to 77977 or by simply clicking the Give link on your screen. If you're here with us in person, you can place your offering in the boxes at the back of the auditorium as you leave. There are many ministries and missionaries in Rochester and around the world that are doing amazing things because of your generosity. We really want you to be a part of what God is doing here at CCC. And a great starting point for that is by filling out our connection card. Stop by our welcome desk in the lobby to fill one out. Or if you're joining us online, click the connect link on your screen. Also, everyone has the opportunity to find community when they walk through our doors or join us online. Some good connection points for that are virtual dinners for six or life groups. Many of our life groups just ended their fall studies and we'll be starting up again soon. So feel free to check these out on our website at cccrochester.org. Virtual Dinners for Six consists of six people who are grouped together and over the course of three months, they will gather once a month to share a meal virtually. The purpose of this is to meet new people, form new friendships, and get to know each other better. You can sign up for this under the Next Steps tab on our website. These are just a few great ways for us to help you get connected here at CCC. It is such a blessing to be able to come before the Lord in prayer. If you have any prayers or praises, please write them on the back of the connection card and leave it at the welcome desk. If you're watching online, click request prayer and one of our hosts will be available to pray with you right then and there. Lastly, we will be starting our discipleship class again next weekend. Lessons from John will be taught by Larry Schmidt and is held every Sunday starting next weekend, January 10th at 10.10 a.m. in our room 200 and online via Zoom. The standalone materials for this class allow you to drop in at any session without feeling behind or like you're missing any important information. If you want to sign up, just go to the events page on our website and you'll find the link to register for the class there. Thanks for joining us today at CCC, whether you're online or in person. We hope you enjoy these next few moments of worship. And again, Happy, happy New, New Year! Year. Hey church, Happy New Year. Um, as we go into this next year, let's put our hope into the great things that our God has already done. I think we can all agree that this last year was pretty hard, a lot of difficult things that are going on. But we have a God that is faithful through every storm. It doesn't matter what we're going through, that he is always here with us. So with that truth today, let's stand together as we worship our King. 
Father, when we sing these words of worship to you. We sing them before you entering a new year. And so a lot of us think this is the time to hit the refresh button because 2020 has moved into 2021 and everything that's from 2020 is a thing of the past and we step forward into our future. But God, sometimes what we forget is we can do that with you on a daily basis, is we can hit the refresh button. And every day we walk with you, God. You take away the things that we've brought into that day, the fear and the shame, whether it be anxiety or sin. And God, your word tells us when we place that in your capable hands that you throw it as far as the east is from the west. So God, that's the promise we're gonna rest in tonight. And not tonight or, or whatever day we bring, but the next day and the next day after that. Because you have that ultimate button that you can reset and renew every day. And that's the God that we sing to today in our worship. You are the God of all things new and of life. So in these next moments, God, we are handing everything to you. Take it, be rid of it, so that you can take us and use us for your purpose and your glory. In your holy, precious name we pray.
So can we pray together? Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? So Father, these are not just words to a song. This is, this is what's on our heart. Oh Lord, our God, you are, you are very great. The psalmist says your greatness no one can fathom. And so we are, we're so appreciative that, that you pay attention to us, that you notice us, that you love us, that you're for us, that you are with us, that you have given us every good thing. As we stand here, the beginning of a brand new year, to know that you have already gone before us, you have paved the way. You are our God, you are our Father, you are our King, you are our Shepherd, you are Lord over us. And we say that with celebration and joy, because great are you, Lord. You have our full attention today. We, we wanna receive everything that you are giving to us and Jesus, you have made all of this possible, so we pray these things in your name, amen. You guys who are here can have a seat. It is really good to be with you. So the you guys that are here that are part of our in-person service, would you join me in welcoming our online church? Can we just give them a hand and let them know we're glad they're here? So happy new year. This must be a really heavy table. We got two guys carrying it. That's awesome. I'm so glad to see you. Um, let me just tell you, like, what a great way to start the new year. You have set aside time to nurture your own spiritual life, to be connected with your church family. Just way to go here at the, at the beginning weekend of our year. I'm so thankful that I get to be part of this with you. Um, we are starting this weekend for our New Year's series, we're starting this series that we've called Pivot. Now, um, pivot is probably the most overused word of 2020. Um, Marie was reading this morning, she read me out loud, there's a list that's put out by a college in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, of words and phrases that should be banned because of how used they were in 2020, and at the top of the list is the word pivot. She made sure I knew that because we were coming here today to start this series, and so I feel really confident about the title of what we've got going with you. Now, I'm sticking with this word because, not because like it was this great word of 2020, but because it's a basketball word, and this is basketball season, and like this is the most wonderful season of the year as far as I'm concerned, and so if you know about basketball, pivot's a basketball term, and I think this is a good word to describe what God has for us, because in basketball, when you're pivoting, what you're really doing is you're just kind of turning to face something head on that might have been part of your peripheral vision before. And so what we're going to do in these first several weeks of the year is we're going to talk together about some things that maybe have been kind of in our peripheral vision in days past, but we need to be like, we need to be faced, like we need to be faced up with them as we head into 2021, because we know that God has really good things for each one of us individually, for our church together, and for our friends, neighbors, our community, this world, through our church. And if we're gonna receive what he wants to give us, and if we're gonna be able to minister that to the people who are around us, there's some things that maybe, because of how the world has shifted in this last year, there's some things that, that maybe we weren't paying as much attention to or we weren't as good at 
We need to grow in these things and get better at them so that we can receive and then minister what God has to give to us. And so today, as we start all this, I wanna, I wanna start by talking with you about one of the things we need to be better at and grow in is, is unity and unifying. And this is a really important, it's a really important concept um, in the Bible for what God has for his people as he talks to his people about these things. And so what I wanna do with you today is I wanna walk you through three things that Jesus said and then we're gonna talk about a few practical ways that you and I can get better at unifying, at being people who are unified and unify others. And then also we're gonna take communion together today. And so I'm really excited that we could, that's just a great demonstration of, of unity um, in communion. So let me start for you with three things that Jesus said. These first two things, they actually came up in a text message thread in my family. Um, last month, sometime in December, one of our kids was, he was looking at two different things and just texted the family and said, hey, what do you think about these? And it got me thinking about them. And so I'm gonna just kind of share these with you. The first one is in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. Jesus says this, he says, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. And these are words of division. This is where Jesus is drawing some lines and saying, hey, if you're, on, if you're over here, then we're together, but if you're over here, then we, we aren't together. Whoever is not with me is against me. Now, who he was talking to in that moment is really important because there were a group of guys who had, who had come to Jesus. He'd done a series of miracles and he'd been teaching and like, it was pretty, the people around Jesus at that point were, they were, they were declaring him to be like the son of God, a unique prophet, and the religious leaders of that day had gotten jealous of Jesus and they had confronted Jesus, they're face to face with him and they said, hey, we think all these really cool things that you're doing, these miracles that you're doing, this teaching that is having this massive impact in the lives of the people, aren't we think all that, we think that you're doing this by the power of the devil. And that's when Jesus, who had been ministering in the power of God, the Holy Spirit, that's, he looked at those dudes and he said these words to him. He said, whoever's not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so these were words of division to really cut a very clear line between Jesus and those who were not with him. Now, the second thing that Jesus says, and this is, this is really interesting, it's exactly the opposite. I'm, I'm reading from Mark chapter nine, verse 40. The one who is not against us is for us. And in this instance, Jesus was actually talking to his followers. He was talking to his disciples, those 12 guys that followed him around for three years, and you know they learned from him, and they loved him, and he loved them, and they grew to, and so he's talking to these guys, and he said, hey, you guys need to know whoever is not against us is, is for us. And the reason he was telling them that was because right before Jesus said these words to him, they told Jesus something that they'd done. They said, hey Jesus, we saw somebody casting out demons in your name. And he's not one of the dudes that runs around with us and so we told him to stop it. And that's when Jesus looked at him and he said, hey, whoever's not against us is, is with us. And these aren't, these aren't words of division, these are words of inclusion. And the reason I wanted us to look at these two statements first as we jumped in today, as we talk about this idea 
of unifying is I think that the culture that you and I live in, and this culture has an impact on us, I think the culture that we live in is way better at the drawing dividing lines than it is at wrapping its arms around people who maybe aren't right with us. And I believe, I believe that those instances where we would look at somebody else and say, hey, if you're not with me, you're against me, those are few and far between. And most of the time in our lives, particularly in Christian circles, most of the time I think what Jesus would have us know and practice is, hey, if you're, if you're not against us, you're for us. And so we wanted to just jump in with these two different things just to really challenge our culture. You guys live in the culture that we're in, and I have some church baggage, which I tell you about on regular occasion. The churches I grew up in were really good at looking at other Christian people and saying, you guys have got it wrong, you're doing it wrong, we're going over here, you stay over there, we're not gonna have anything to do with you. And, and Christian people do that with each other, and churches do that amongst churches and churches and nonprofit Christian ministries. Like we tend to, like our culture rubs off on us. And we tend as Christian people to be better at drawing the lines between us and them, even though we all hold to the same basic set of beliefs. And so this statement that Jesus made to his followers when they're like, hey, we saw some other people using your name to do good things, and we said, eh, stop it, you're not over here with us. Jesus says, hey, listen, if you're not against us, then you're for us. And I think that lines up with this third thing that I wanted to show you today that Jesus said. It's in John chapter 17. In John 17, verses 20 through 22, um, Jesus is praying out loud, and he just wanted his people to hear this prayer, to know what was on his heart. It was, it was definitely words spoken to God the Father, but it is also spoken in a way that like, Jesus wants the people who are listening to him in that Original context, and as we sit here today, he wants them to know what was on his heart. So in John chapter 17, starting in verse 20, as he's praying, he says, my prayer is not for them alone, and he's referring to his original followers who were right there with him in the moment. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. And I just, I find that to be a remarkable prayer and statement. And sometimes I read that and think about like the, the world that we live in, the Christian community and the fractures and the divisions not because there's different denominations or different churches, like all of that's really cool. It's, it's the, hey, we got it right and we're not so sure about those guys. Like I, I think about that kind of stuff that goes on in our world. I'm scratching my head wondering like, okay, so Jesus prayed this for us. He prayed that we would be one just as he and the Father were one and 
the reason for that prayer was so that the world would know that God the Father sent Jesus into the world. And so for us, this is a really, like this is a high calling to be united, to be one amongst ourselves as Christian people in a community. Like this is a high calling so that the world would know that God the Father sent Jesus the Son. And I love how he kind of ended that little section there with those words that I have given them my glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. So we're not being given this impossible task. Because you know, I've told you this, and I'll tell you this a lot, I hate try harder religion. I mean, I do, I hate it, because you just try so hard and nothing seems to get accomplished if I'm just trying really hard to do stuff, and that includes this idea of unity. But Jesus says that he has given to you and he has given to me, he has given us his glory so that we are able to accomplish what he has given us to do. And I I rejoice in that. I, I can't even fully unpack, I don't even fully know what he means when he says, I've given them my glory so that they could be one. I'm just gonna say yes, that he has given us what we need so that we can be one with each other, so that we can be one with other Christian people, so that we can be one with the churches and the other nonprofit, Christian nonprofit community, people who are ministering in Jesus' name here in our community, he's given us what we need in order to accomplish this. And I'm so glad for that, that I don't have to figure this out on my own. I don't have to conjure this, the strength to do this, or the wisdom to do this up like somewhere from deep inside of me, because I and you, we don't have what it takes. If he didn't give us what we need, we don't have what it takes in all of this. And so he has given us his glory so that, that we could be one. Now. Let me give you a couple of definitions of unity. All right, if we just kind of walk into this. The first one's from just a common Bible dictionary, Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary, if you're interested in those things. Um, that, that definition is the state of being undivided, having oneness, a condition of harmony. And so even in that, I mean, just, just know that we're not talking about uniformity. We're not talking about everybody being exactly alike, clones of each other. We all just kind of move in this one little line or this this one little line or this one little circle here. And it's, it's, we're not talking about that. We're talking about being undivided, having oneness, a condition of harmony, which, you know, if you know anything about music, harmony is like you could be different, but we all just kind of blend together and it sounds really pretty. That's the extent of what I know about music. But I know that's true. It's, it's harmony. It's not all on the same note. And then I love this from Philippians chapter two, verse two. I think this is a good biblical definition of unity. Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And so again, what all this is, is like we are, we are like-minded, we have the same love, we're one in spirit, and we have one mind, but we don't have to have one such narrow mind that there's no room for difference. And so, so here's kind of how this plays out, I think, is I, you know, it's just, I've kind of watched, it doesn't mean that like what's, everything that's important to me has to automatically be important to you as a Christian person. Um, Marie and I are, and it's like, Marie and I, the way we do our daily Bible reading is drastically different. But if I were to look at her and say, hey, you're doing it wrong. The way you read the Bible, how does, and if she were to look at me and say, hey, you're doing it wrong, how could anybody get out, well, that's not, we have the same mind 
We are like-minded, we think alike about these things, we have the same love, we're engaging in the scriptures even though it looks a lot different. And so if you're a person who happens to love global missions, and that is your passion, and that is what you live for, well, not everybody has to love global missions like you do. So again, we go back to the image of like, we're this body of, of believers, and so some people are gonna love global missions, and some people are gonna love local missions and being engaged here in our community, and, and what we're for it. We're for, we're for each other in that, and so we don't all have to line up, and just, but we do have to be like-minded, having the same love, who is Jesus, being one in spirit, God the Holy Spirit, who knits us together, and one mind, which the Bible tells us because God the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we have the mind of Jesus himself. And so there's this, this call to Christian people to be unified. And on top of that call to unity, there's the promise of a blessing for people who will be unified. And I just, this is something that we should hold on to. I hope this statement becomes part of the fabric of your life. God blesses unity. He does. God blesses unity. In Psalm 133, that's one of the most poetic, expressive places that the Bible talks about how God feels about, about people who are living together. It's just when the people of God live together in unity, it's just this beautiful poetic description of what it is like. There's beautiful imagery there to dig into, and then it ends with this idea that this is what God blesses. And if God is gonna pour out his blessing on, on something, if his favor is going to be evidenced by like to reward a particular pursuit or us living in what he has already given to us, we want that. And so God blesses unity. And I think one of the main reasons he blesses unity is because it reflects his character. Unity reflects God's character. And so we're, we're here today as Christian people. And one of the calls that has been placed on our lives is to, to represent our Lord to the people who are around us, and so unity reflects the character of God. I was thinking about this a couple of ways. First way is that in the Trinity. If you're new to these things, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the little rhyme I learned when I was growing up in church, they are three in one. And so God is three persons in one essence, is the word that, that theologians use, and Somebody wrote a book once called Understanding the Trinity, and I read that book, and they did not understand it any more than the rest of us do. I, but God is, he is one, and at the same time, he is three, and so when you and I, as different people, are united, we reflect God's character to those who are around us. And then I was thinking this second way that it reflects God's character is particularly in his patience with us. And I just think that this is great news, that God is, that God is patient with us. I don't know if you've thought about that for a while or how God was portrayed to you in other settings, but God is patient with people. And, and I was just really reflecting on Jesus and on his life, in his life on earth when he was with those 12 guys who were his 12 disciples. They did some of the dumbest stuff, like stopping that guy over there. He was casting out demons in your name, Jesus, so we told him to stop. And you know what Jesus looked at him? He gave him a little lesson, but you know what he did? He wrapped his arms around him and said, okay, here we go. We're together. 
We're together in this. And those guys were, they're as big a knucklehead as I am and as you are. And, and Jesus was patient with them and he loved them and he, he shepherded them and kept them together. And so when you and I are willing to be patient with each other, because unity, and we're gonna talk about it in a few minutes, unity requires patience. When, when you and I are patient with each other and are gracious towards each other and are loving towards each other, when we're not super lovable with one another, like we show other people what God is like. And when God's people are reflecting God's character, that's one of those, that's one of those God moments where we get to that so that the world will know that the Father has sent the Son to be the savior of the world. And so this, this concept of unity, this isn't a small thing. This is worthy of the first weekend of a new year. And so if you guys would let me, let me give you a few, a few ways that, um, that you and I can, these are practical and some of our attitudes, some of our actions, but this, this will help us in our pursuit of unity. And, and most of this, like it finds its greatest application amongst Christian people in a Christian marriage, in a Christian small group, at a Christian workplace, um, in a church, amongst churches. It finds its, its first and greatest application in that setting, but these principles will also, they'll work in other arenas because this is God's truth being ministered into and through the lives of God's people. So here's the first thing about unifying, about being people who are unifying in their pursuits is, um, this is from Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So that little section of verses is launching into spiritual realities, that there's an unseen world, that you and I, we, we don't see it, but it is for real and it is very present and this little statement here says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, and it's a great reminder that the other person is not your enemy. When you're in one of those situations where it feels like things are coming apart, the other person is not your enemy. We have an unseen enemy, and his desire is to tear apart the things that God is bringing together, to tear down the things that God is building, anything that God loves, he wants to destroy, and and one of the things that causes us to say, hey, if you're, not, if you're not like for me, then you're against me, is, is this unseen enemy who points at people who we have way more in common than we do that separates us and says, hey, like those people are your enemy. Flesh and blood is never your enemy. We do not struggle against flesh and blood. And so if you're, if you're here today and you're in conflict with another human being, whether that's a friend or a spouse or family member, kids, the in-laws who were just here for Christmas, however all that goes down for you, um, your struggle isn't against flesh and blood. You have an enemy who's trying to tear you down and tear you apart. And so just to know that if, if we're going to be able to, to be unified, there's an enemy who's against that and we have to recognize who our enemy is. If you get who the enemy is wrong, then it's really hard to stay together so that the world knows that the Father has sent the Son. So flesh and blood is not our enemy. Second thing, listen and learn. This is kind of a, kind of a habit, kind of an action, but it's also an attitude. 
in James chapter one, verse 19, the Bible tells us, let all of you be quick to listen, slow to speak, and it also says slow to become angry. And the reason for that is because the anger of human beings does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And, and so to approach scenarios particularly that feel like unity might be fragile or non-existent or where some coming together needs to happen, we have to be willing to listen and learn. And that has to be the first attitude. When somebody, when you're wondering like, what is up with those guys? If you're gonna ever figure out what's up with those guys, it requires a willingness to listen and learn what is going on, what's going on behind the scenes, what's the history of this, like how did we get to the point that we're at? And to hear from somebody else's perspective what's, what's going on there. And so that's the second thing is to listen and to learn. Here's the third thing. There is always a log. Okay, this is from Matthew chapter seven, verse three, where Jesus said, why are you trying to get the speck of sawdust out of your friend's eye when you've got a log in your eye? So I was in conflict, yeah, I don't know, 15 years ago, and I was talking to one of my friends about it, and um, he was a pastor friend, and he said this to me. It's like, hey, so where's the log? It's like, I don't wanna hear that, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't wanna hear that. They're, they're doing this to me, they're saying this, they're, they're behaving this way, and his question was, where's the log? And I think it's a great question, and it's a great statement. There's always a log. Jesus presented that, the context when Jesus presented that was not, it, it was, he was teaching, and he was just letting his people know, like, here's how we behave towards each other, and, and even if the log is not sin, there, we have blind spots. And if we, are, if we are at odds with, or just apart from, people we should be together with, if we're gonna be able to close that gap, the listening and learning piece requires the posture of there's, there's always a log. There's something here that I can't see, that I don't know, that I don't fully understand. I've got something blocking my vision, and I need to have that posture of, of humility towards the Lord and towards somebody else, I probably don't know it all. And so, so to hold this idea of there's always a log when you're trying to come together or bring people who are divided back together, what's the blind spot, where's the log? There's always a log. And so that posture of humility, God blesses that. Here's the fourth thing. These are three questions that I think are a series of questions that are incredibly um, helpful. What are we for is the first one. So if, if you and I can't get along about one thing, let's step back until we figure out where we can get along. What are we for? And I've, I saw this as we, in this election season, this was a tumultuous year. There's a lot of division sown in our country this year, and that's really why I'm saying we gotta be good at being unified and, and unifying people. So there are, there are groups of people who are actually for the same thing, and they're fighting with each other because one of them isn't doing it the way that others do it. And 
you probably have seen that, noticed it, maybe even been part of one of those things. And so when, when you're apart with somebody that we should be together with, and whether this is a spouse or whether it's another church or a different, a different ministry within the church, like, what are we for? Let's just, let's take a step back and another step back until we can figure out what it is we're for so that we remember why we're, why we're here and how we come together. The second question is how can I help? And again, this is, this is the posture of service. When we figure out what we're for, how can I help becomes a really important question because now I'm not demanding somebody else come to me so that we can be together. How can I help? How can I come towards you? How can I serve you? And, and help me figure that out because we're gonna work together. Then if we're gonna work together, how could I serve you? How can I help you? Which leads to that last question, who can we serve? Who can we serve? The two of us together, the people who are trying to, trying to knit this thing back into place, who can we serve? And I'm, just, I'm really convinced, and this isn't just me, I've seen this and heard this from a lot of other people. Tony Evans was the first one I heard in conjunction with all the racial tension in our country. One of the things that he said was, go make a friend who isn't like you, and together you go serve somebody. It's amazing what serving somebody else does to two people who are like, the ties that those, it just binds you together when you're serving somebody else. And so, so what are we for? Let's take a couple steps back till we figure out what are we for, and then let's ask, let me ask you this question, how can I help? How can I help you? How can I further your agenda? How can I get on board with what you're trying to accomplish in this thing that we're both for? And then together, who do we serve? Who can we serve together? I think those are really important questions to bring unity into the situation. And then this last thing, it's one word, and it's really, it's a huge concept is grace. If we are going to be people who are unified and who are unifying, grace has to be a huge part of our personal relationships. Grace, man, God is gracious to us. He he is, he's gracious. I mean, we sing that song about great are you, Lord, those songs we sing today. That's part, that's part of it. That's why we stand in this room or you, know, you guys are watching online and, and declare the greatness of the Lord is because he is gracious to us. We wandered away from him. We did and we do. We, we walk away from him. And instead of just like drawing the line and saying, hey, you're not with me anymore. You're against me away with you, he pours his grace out on us. And as people who are constantly receiving grace, we have this incredible privilege to be able to minister grace to others. And that looks, I mean, can look a hundred different ways, but um, giving people the benefit of the doubt is a really big one. Um, being willing to, to maybe walk a mile in their shoes for a little bit, even if you, it's not required of you, you don't have to as you're trying to figure some things out. But as God ministers his grace to us, as people have received grace, we get the opportunity to minister his grace to the people who are around us. And if, and if you're gonna enjoy any kind of unity in, in your friend group, in a marriage, in a family, in a workplace, if you're at church, you're gonna enjoy any kind of unity. Grace is a key component of that. And to be gracious with other people, to give them time to grow into some, maybe you're a little further ahead of them in one area of spiritual growth, and so you're giving them time, you're being patient with them, and there's a lot of understanding that comes in grace. 
And again, we are people who have received grace. And so one of the, one of the things that we can do, and really this is a, um, it's, it's a time of communion. So what communion is, is it's an act of unity. We are, we are together in something that is really important. And so we're here today as a church family and online, in person. So if you haven't yet, if you'd grab your communion supplies. And as we enter into this time of communion, I wanna read this verse and talk about it for just a moment. From Ephesians chapter two. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So you just think about that for a second. So I don't, I don't know what your life before Jesus looked like, but you were far away from him and maybe you were far away from him over here. And I was far away from him over here. But now in Christ Jesus, because of his blood that was shed for us, people who are far away from him have been brought near to him. So this is part of that glory piece that he has given us his glory so that we can be one. Just as he and the Father are one, you and I can be one together because because you were far from him over here and I was far from him over here and by his blood, he's brought, he's brought us here. And, and it's not just our relationship with each other, it's this amazing relationship that we have with the God who loves us, who gave himself for us, who, who sacrificed. This relationship that we have with God and that we can have with each other is, it's free to us really costly to him. It cost Jesus his life. It cost the sinless one. He became sin. So he took your sin, he took my sin on himself so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be brought near. And that is, like, that's the unity that, that we want, that we, that we wanna receive, that we wanna offer, that we wanna demonstrate is not just that somehow we've figured out how to get along with each other, but we wanna be people who have been brought near. By the blood of Jesus, we've been brought near to him with each other. So you've got your communion supplies there. Communion is about the cross. It's about that sacrifice that Jesus made so that you and I could be one with him and one with one another. the bread Jesus told his disciples when he first did this he said this is my body which is broken broken like torn apart separated his, his body torn apart separated so that you and I could be brought near brought together this is my body which is broken for you eat this in remembrance of me let's partake together
Jesus told his disciples, he took a cup and told them this cup is my blood. It's poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. We are brought near by the blood of Christ. So let's drink in remembrance of Jesus. Could I pray for us? Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? After I pray, we'll have our questions for reflection and discussion this week. So Father, thank you for drawing us in and not cutting us off, not running us away, drawing us in. drawing us into a place where we're by ourselves, but drawing us into eternal relationship with you and eternal relationship with one another. I'll say it on behalf of all of us who are participating in this service, our answer to you in this moment, this togetherness is yes. Thank you for drawing us in, continue to draw us near. Help our hearts be willing to be drawn by you. As we are drawn to you, we're drawn to each other and just yes to this. So we live in this world that's really good at drawing lines and dividing and separating and figuring out us and them and pointing fingers and all of that. We don't wanna be like that at all. We wanna be people who wrap our arms around each other for each other, who are with each other. We're cheering each other on, we're celebrating with each other the great things that you are doing in our lives and through our lives. We wanna be that as a church for the other churches in our community. We wanna, we're for them. And, and for our Christian nonprofits and ministries that, that serve others in this city, we're I just wanna be yes people because you have drawn all of us near and we are together and so unity, please. It's the posture of our hearts, the way we think, the way we approach other people. And again, Jesus, you have given us your glory so that we could be one. Yes to that. And we pray these things in your name. All right, so let me give you um, let me give you these questions for reflection, for discussion. If you're new with us, we do this every week. Just as a, we kind of started it during at the beginning of COVID, and um, some think about talk about our in-person church, our online church. All do these things uh, in the environments that they're in, and it really helps us stay together as a church. And so, first question for you is: It easier? This is just about you. Is it easier for you to find common ground or to notice differences? And why do you think that is? about yourself, is it something in your background, about your personality, why, would you, why do you think that about yourself? Second, what do you think, what are some things that you think need to be true about us in order for us to be one as Jesus and God the Father are one? It's kind of a long, complicated sentence, good luck with that one. Third, can you think of other ways that unity reflects the character of God? 
I gave you a couple, but if you wanna process it by yourself or with some other people, what are some other ways that unity reflects the character of God? Here's the fourth question. Which of the attitudes or actions that move us towards unity come most naturally to you and which do you think will present the greatest challenge? She start thinking about those. I think I gave you a list of five things, which one of those. And then this last question, have you ever experienced serving to be a unifying experience? Is there somebody that maybe you weren't sure about or you were maybe not even on board with and you served together and all of a sudden your hearts are knit together? And if, if you've experienced that, um, think through it if you're by yourself or, or share it with others that you're processing these things with. So it's been really good to be in worship with you this first weekend of our new year. Thank you guys for being with us. And for those of you who are worshiping online, we love you. For those of you who are worshiping here in this room, um, I'm gonna say you're dismissed here in just a moment, but if you'll hang where you are, the ushers will let you go by rows. So thank you again for being here. I love you guys. It's good to be with you. We'll see you next week.